0: Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
1: Men's hearts wait upon us. Men's lives hang in the balance. Men's hopes call upon us to say what we will do. I summon all honest men, all patriotic, all forward looking men to my side. God helping me, I will not fail them, if they will but counsel and sustain me. <laughs>
2: President, starring Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Edward Arnold, and written by Gene Holloway. (laughs) Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor, these are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President.
0: In just a moment, we'll bring you Edward Arnold as the man in the White House. Many years ago, the president sat in a ladder-backed, cane-bottom chair... and read reports written by young men whose wages he paid out of his own pocket. No telephones plagued him. He could come and go as he pleased. Take a swim in the Potomac or perhaps ride in the woods around Washington. Today, the president sits in an air-conditioned office... surrounded by telephones dictating into a wire recorder. If he wants to walk, he must stay inside the black iron bars... enclosing the White House grounds. From the ladder-backed chair to air conditioning from then to now... Many presidents have lived in the White House, men of differing personalities, tempers, and talents. Our Mr. President's job is to play them all, and he's done it. Edward Arnold has become the man in the White House. On the street, in stores, he's greeted with, Hello, Mr. President. We like the show. We know you'll like it, too. And so here is Edward Arnold in today's story of Mr. President. <laughs>
1: My friends, in response to hundreds of your kind letters, we are going to repeat today the story of a man and an ideal. There is success in it, and there is failure. But the failure was not the man's, for he didn't fail the world. The world failed him. He was a great president, but more than that, he was a great citizen of America and of the world. Listen closely to this story that happened in Washington a few years ago, and see if you can tell who the president was. A long war had ended, and the nation was jubilant. Mr. President. Yes. Oh, oh, it's you, Chief. It's time to start the Congress. Listen to those people. Look at their faces. How wonderful is the reflected light of peace in the faces of a populace. Yes, it's a great occasion. May God help me. May God help all men everywhere to keep this world at peace. You know what I'm going to say to Congress today? Why, that the war is over? Yes, but I'm also going to say that bitterness must be forgotten, that the conquered must be treated with humanity. That to conquer with arms is to make only a temporary conquest. To conquer the world by earning its esteem is to make a permanent conquest. Mr. President, as a member of your cabinet, I must protest. You'll jeopardize your entire political future.
0: Read the letters that are coming in from all over the country. Yes, I have been reading them. Well, the people are saying that we ought to keep our armies marching right to their capital. That we ought to cripple the enemy
1: to the point where they'd never be able to start anything with us again. I know what the letters say. But I must make the people see that it is not enough just to win a war. You must win the peace as well. And the peace is won with understanding and compassion. Enemies or not, they are still human. They have lain their loved ones to rest and wept over them. Their girls have cried like ours. Their mothers, too, have closed the door on rooms that will never again hear the sound of the son's voice. They, too, have prayed for peace.
0: Your... Asking for mercy for a country that has
1: murdered millions of our blood? I ask for mercy for us as well as them. I ask mercy for sons still in their cradles and girls yet unborn. We told our sons if they died, the world would be made safe for the ones that followed them. I didn't intend to break faith with the dead. And if we take too much from the enemy, he must, of necessity, rise and fight us again. I intend to say that in Paris. Paris? You intend to say that in Paris? Well,
0: you can't be thinking of leaving the country, Mr. President. No president has ever done a thing like that.
1: Each term of office brings its own problems. Each man must make his own decisions about breaking precedence. I'm going to Paris to the peace conference. I shall meet with the representatives of other nations, and I shall ask them to establish a League of Nations where the problems of the world can be solved around a conference table instead of on a battlefield. <laughs> Come in. Oh, hello, Doctor. Come in, come in.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Just about what I expected. Have you any idea at all what time it is?
1: No. What time is it? Almost
3: dawn. Really?
1: What on earth are you doing up?
3: Looking out for you or trying to. (laughs) You land tomorrow, you know. You said that you were going to get a good night's sleep. Well, I had a lot on my mind. Mr. President... As your physician, I must warn you that you are going to have to get more rest, or I can't be responsible for the consequences. Now, I want you to get to bed.
1: See here, you're addressing the President of the United States. Don't try
3: pulling your rank on me, Mr. (laughs) President. Bed is the place for you.
1: All right, Doctor, all right. I'll be good. I'll rest when I get to Paris. I'll bet you will.
3: President, the people of France consider it a pleasure and an honor to receive you.
1: Thank you, Monsieur Clemenceau. I consider it a pleasure and an honor to be here.
3: Already in Paris for the conference are the representatives of 27 nations. And next week you will meet them. Uh, Signor Orlando have already arrived from Italy. And uh, Monsieur David uh, Lloyd George will be here from London any day now.
1: I should like to meet them both before the, the conference for a preliminary discussion. If I may.
3: That can be arranged. Uh, perhaps in the meantime, uh, you would like to visit the battlefield where your countrymen fought so bravely. No.
1: No, I I don't want to visit the battlefields until after the conference. I don't want to be swayed by emotion. I know, no matter what my resolves, that I. I would find it very difficult to stand on those battlefields and then attempt to deal fairly with that country.
3: Monsieur le Président, you and I are at odds on this question. I don't believe that generosity will secure the peace that we have fought so hard to win.
1: What security do you believe in, Monsieur Clemenceau? Military power,
3: and only military power.
1: I see. Well, I shall do my best to change your mind. France
3: is an old nation, Monsieur le Président. If uh, you will forgive me, much older than yours, uh, we have learned through the century that the cannon speak louder than the human voice.
1: But this is a new century, Monsieur Clemenceau, and this is a smaller world. And this is a civilization that can destroy itself if it keeps on fighting.
3: Men have always fought, Monsieur le Président. They always will.
1: I don't believe that. Do you intend to go along with me on the League of Nations idea?
3: I do not believe it is a practical idea, Mr President. But you are not
1: completely opposed to it.
3: No. We are not completely opposed to it.
1: Well then perhaps I can convince you.
3: You represent a large and powerful nation, Monsieur Le President. Colups you come.
2: Extra extra read about the peace conference. XTRE. French press claims United States president blocking the security of France. Extra extra. X-tree, X-tree. Peace conference moving slowly. Italian press claims Italy being cheated by America. X-Tree, X-Tree. x Small nations complaining about trend of peace conference. X-Tree, x Disposal of German colonies taken up tomorrow. x
1: to my original statement about the colonies, as is laid forth in the fifth point of my 14 points.
3: But the people of France are entitled to reparation.
1: We need colonies. Germany has no longer any right to
2: colonies. England has proved that she understands how to govern territorial possessions. Italy has need of colonies.
1: Why is it that over and over Italy is being ignored in these discussions? Italy is not being ignored, nor is France or England or any of the others. But the thing to determine is what the people in the colonies want and what all the peoples of the world favor. If there is to be peace among men, you can't cut up nations and territories and give them to any other country that happens to hold the upper hand. You fight for hard bargains, Mr. President. I fight for fair bargains.
3: Mr. President, I tell you, you've got to get some rest.
1: Oh, I'll rest later, Doctor. Doctor. Look at this article from tonight's papers. It's headed France's claims. Oh, is there no end to the claims of France and the claims, claims, claims of the rest of the world? Stop
3: worrying about the world and worry about yourself for a change. Now go home, sit out in the sun,
1: sleep, eat, act like a human being. Oh, the territorial demands of all the European nations are beyond reason. Go home. Forget about it. Well, maybe I will go home. What? Yes. That sounds like a good idea. I would like some sun, some sleep. I am going to take your temperature right now. Yes, I think I'll order the Secretary of the Navy to prepare to sail for home.
3: Monsieur le Président, is it true that you are leaving for America?
1: Well, I have ordered the ship made ready, Monsieur Clemenceau.
3: Is it uh, as I've been inferred because you consider my country and the others uh, too high in our territorial demands. Monsieur
1: Clemenceau, my patience is at an end. There seems to be nothing to be gained from further discussion. Everyone is thinking about the good of themselves. No one is considering the good of the world. Monsieur le Président, you
3: must not leave the conference. There will be a reduction... In uh, territorial demand. Thank you, Monsieur Clemenceau. You are a hard man to deny. And uh, to fit, Monsieur the President. Uh, we are practical men. A little tired. More than a little cynical. And I am afraid, naturally, we are trying to make the best possible bargain for our own country. And, uh, Then you come among us with your eyes on a vision. Uh, Since we have not seen this vision, it is difficult for us to share
1: your enthusiasm. Uh, I wish you could see it, Monsieur Clemenson. If the powers were allowed to annex all the helpless countries and colonies in the world, then that would immediately discredit any League of Nations that was set up, because people would say we divided up the world and then set up the League for selfish purposes to back that up.
3: You really believe this dream of yours will come to pass?
1: I do believe it.
3: My friend, I have fought with you on many points. Perhaps I shall fight with you on many more before this conference is concluded. But I respect you, and I like you. I have never met a man before with so much faith in humanity. I hope, I pray, that you live to see that fate justified. Monsieur le Président, France will support you in your demand for a League of Nations.
0: Well, Mr. President, finally
1: our labors are over, eh? Yes, finally.
3: Tomorrow we go to the great hall of the Trianon Palace here in Versailles. This will be an historic moment. Yes, the ceremony is all arranged. The delegates of the 27 nations will stand,
0: and the six members of the enemy delegation will march in. And take seats at a table facing Monsieur Clemenceau.
1: And you will hand them the book containing the peace treaty and they will study it. No one will ever fully realize the labor and discussion and achievements and disappointments it represents.
3: Uh, No one is
1: completely
3: happy with it. It is a compromise for everyone.
1: Germany will say the terms are harsh. The Italians have already withdrawn. Believe the terms are not severe enough. And... France is disappointed, I know that. It is not that so much, Monsieur le President. It is that the
3: League offers a means by which Germany may get out of the terms
1: imposed. No, no, not necessarily. It merely means that there is a court to which they can make an appeal. But making it and getting what they ask for are two different things. They can't do better than the nations of the world want them to do. You are not
0: completely satisfied, are you, Mr. President?
1: No, because some of the terms I I have had to accept are in opposition to what I believe. But I can at least go back to my country with a great gift. The League of Nations has been agreed by the European powers. There is hope now of a lasting peace for all mankind.
2: In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President.
0: Once upon a time, there lived an old man in a beautiful ivory tower. From it, he viewed the many wars mankind waged. The old man watched in peacetime, too, when neighbor warred against neighbor in a country called America. There, man did not use powerful weapons. He used subtle poisons called intolerance, bias, and prejudice. When man was affected by them... He hated his neighbor who was of different race, color, or creed. The old man wished he could have done something about it, but he was locked in his ivory tower of thought. Have you locked your mind in an ivory tower? Are you doing anything to rid your community of these poisonous enemies of hate and prejudice against people of different religion and color? Starting now, work in your own town, in your own community, to help make a united America. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President.
1: You've probably guessed who the president was when all this happened because it really did happen, you know. The president returned to America with the lines of his long struggle etched on his face. But he returned proudly, Bearing a dream set down in glowing, hopeful words, signed by the nations of the world. He asked the Senate to ratify the treaty, and words came blazing back at him.
0: By entering the League, we will be bound in the sordid, cunning, secret, and crafty designs of European and Asiatic governments. The country's blood and its bone would be commandeered for all time. Why, gentlemen, if we ratify this, Our military forces could be called abroad at any time. This calls for discussion, and mighty serious discussion. President, I just left a Senate meeting. The Senate is not going to ratify your treaty.
1: So, it took 16 weeks in Paris to draft that covenant. So far, the Senate has taken 36 weeks in debating whether it should be ratified. They've drafted a set of reservations to be added to the treaty. And I suppose the reservations all serve to nullify the treaty. I'm afraid they do, Mr. President. That's too bad.
3: The President literally almost killed himself
1: in Paris by working for that treaty. I know, Doctor, you can see it in his eyes. Oh, stop it, both of you. Stop it. I can still show you two a few tricks. Oh, Doctor, how would you feel about taking another trip?
3: Oh, no. You are not going on any trips. You're going to stay right here. Why? Go take a look in your mirror. You'll see why.
1: Oh, nonsense. I probably just need a new tonic.
3: Where would you be uh, thinking of taking a trip to? Oh,
1: maybe a tour of the United States? A tour? You mean a speaking time? I believe if I can make the people understand what the League is all about, that they will bring sufficient pressure to bear on the Senate to get that treaty ratified. Mr.
3: President, if I told you that taking this trip at this time in your state of health might mean your life, would you still insist on going? Yes. Well, all right then, I'll go pack my bags. Mr. President, if you do this,
0: your opponents will speak wherever you do and try to undermine you. They've discussed just this
1: possibility. Let them try. I have confidence in the people. All I ask is a chance to speak to them. My friends, if I were to state what seems to me the central idea of this treaty, it would be this. Nations do not consist of their governments, but consist of their people. And never has that leading idea been put forth in any international Congress that I ever heard of. I want to call your attention to the central machinery of the League of Nations. If any member of that League or any nation, not a member, refuses to submit the question at issue either to arbitration or to discussion by the Council, there ensues automatically an absolute economic boycott. There will be no trade with that nation by any member of the League. There will be no interchange of communication by post or telegraph. There will be no travel to or from that nation. Its borders will be closed. It will be hermetically sealed by the united action of the most powerful nations of the world. Some gentlemen say it is not our business to take care of the world. No, but it is our business to prevent war. And if we don't take care of the weak nations of the world, there will be a war. I would like to get together with the boys who fought in the war, and I would stand up before them and say, boys, I told you before you went across the seas that this was a war against wars, and I did my best to fulfill the promise. But I am obliged to come to you in mortification and shame and say I have not been able to fulfill the promise. You are betrayed. You fought for something you didn't get. And there will come sometime another struggle in which not a few hundred thousand fine men from America will have to die, but as many millions as are necessary to accomplish the final freedom of the peoples of the world. How do you feel? Oh, uh, good night's sleep will put me right up on top again.
3: You've covered half the nation. Now, isn't that enough? They're with me, too,
1: aren't they? The ones that have heard me, aren't
3: they? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But you're one man. You can't speak in every city in the country. Oh,
1: Doctor, it takes time. It takes time and time grows short. Time grows short.
3: Let's go home.
1: No, no. Not quite yet. Don't think I'm not grateful to you, doctor. I know all that you've done for me. It isn't what I've done.
3: Worrying about you is making an old man of me. Oh,
1: don't worry. I'm fine.
3: Let's stop someplace and rest a few weeks. This trip gets more and more dangerous
1: for you every day. It was more and more dangerous in France as the boys got closer to the front lines. But they went on. They went right on towards the danger. It was the only way to win a war.
3: Okay, Mr. President, I haven't any answer to that. Here's a headline that might interest you. The Denver Post.
1: Hmm. President captures Denver. Denver thunders approval and unalterable unalterable support for the chief executive. You see, all I had to do was go to the people. It can't all have been for nothing. The war, the dead, the struggle with Clemenceau and the rest in Paris. I won't let it have been for nothing. Where's the next stop? Pueblo, Colorado.
0: Doctor. Doctor, doctor. What
3: is it? It's the president. Hurry, he's had a stroke. Wait, my case. I was afraid of that. I'll go to him. You tell the conductor to take this train straight back to Washington. Well, Doctor? Now, stay quiet. Don't try to move about.
1: Oh, good night's sleep will fix me up again. You're going to have it. I've ordered the train back to Washington. Are you under the impression that you're the President of the United States? No. Just acting for the President. Oh, it's too bad. It's too bad. I wanted to reach more of the people. You reached millions. And all the ones that you reached will talk to others.
3: You'll get your League of Nations, Mr. President.
1: Oh, I'm afraid not in my lifetime, Doctor. No, not in my time. But in God's time it will come. The day will come when the nations of the world will sit around a conference table and wars will be a thing of the obsolete past. For it is written, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. Well, I'm sure you figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. Because it really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. You'll be first with the facts when you hear Drew
0: Pearson on the air every Sunday evening over most of these same ABC stations. Yes, Pearson's the commentator who often beats the headlines when he predicts things to come in the news each week. Broadcasting from the center of political action, Pearson also brings you fascinating and provocative inside Washington items. When he goes on the air from the Capitol, you know you're hearing the inside version of the news. The factual highlights that lie behind the headlines. And so for predictions and inside stories of the news, listen in when Drew Pearson is heard this evening and every Sunday evening for most ABC stations. Night and day, we keep you up on the latest news, so keep your tile turned the ABC way. And now, here again is Edward Arnold. station, Mr. President.
1: Thank you, doctor. Thank you.
0: You think you can manage? Oh,
1: yes, I can walk through the station.
3: You know, Mr. President, someday all of those millions who heard your words on this tour will be able to say, as Clemenceau said in France, once I saw the light of a vision on a man's face, and I heard the notes of prophecy in a man's voice, and that man was the 29th President of the United States and the father of the League of Nations, Woodrow Wilson.
1: Be with us again next week, won't you? Because next week we are going to Uh, deviate slightly from the usual Mr. President series to bring you a story that we feel is particularly appropriate to the July 4th weekend. Gene Holloway's well-known version of the Edward Everett Hale classic The Man Without a Country. Thank you and goodbye.
2: Donald appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Edward, My Son, starring Spencer Tracy and Deborah Carr. (music) Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. It was produced and directed by Joe Graham. This story was based on incidents in the life of President Woodrow Wilson. Music was composed by Basil Adlam.
0: Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.